Hi everyone, you're listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors to find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and I'm on the journey to go from hip-hop dancing engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. This is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors, discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Before we hop into today's show, I want to remind you of today's sponsor. This show is brought to you by PassiveInvesting.com. PassiveInvesting.com is a private equity real estate investment firm focused on institutional quality, multifamily and self-storage assets in the hottest markets in the United States. PassiveInvesting.com partners with their investors to provide opportunities to build wealth together by delivering consistent monthly cash flow, capital appreciation, and strong tax benefits. They currently have 1,700 plus passive investors with a 65% repeat investor rate. If you're interested in learning more, head over to PassiveInvesting.com or click the link in the show notes. You can get more information on investment opportunities, educational webinars, or insightful articles. Reach out and see how they can help you build wealth through real estate and enjoy the show. Now for today's guest. He is a rising real estate investor who just relocated to Lexington, Kentucky. He is responsible for sourcing and analyzing potential new multifamily investment acquisitions for urban renewal partners. He understands how to interpret economic and population trends to affirm markets for value-added investments. During his time at Urban Renewal Partners, he has successfully assisted in the development and completion of the acquisition and underwriting for multifamily properties. Please give a warm welcome to Dylan Bomber. Hi, Taylor. Thank you for having me on. And at first off, I just want to say to all your uh, your listeners out there that Taylor is, we're up and recording this. It is 5 a.m. <laughs> He's up and out and ready to go. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, and uh, I guess like what's also interesting too is like you're, you were just in this time zone not too long ago. And so like, I would love to just know at least like, I mean, you're from Huntington Beach just because we, we, this was an off off uh, <laughs> off camera conversation, but from Huntington Beach and then now you were in Lexington, Kentucky. How did that all pan out? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, born and raised in Huntington Beach, California. My parents, they grew up over here on the East Coast uh, and they met down in Marco Island, Florida. And for a opportunity over um, in LA, they moved out there. And it was a fantastic place to grow up. Uh, I truly did love uh, living in California. And I had the opportunity to go down to San Diego uh, for college. And, you know, during that time, you know, it was very well spent. uh, But I've always had this kind of urge to get back to the East Coast. You know, most of my family still being here on the East Coast. It's always been a, you know, my heart's always been wanting to to get me back here. And so... uh... Yeah. And how, uh, how come you didn't move to Florida? Why, how, how did you move to uh, Lexington? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's a great question. So that can lead right into, you know, multifamily, right? Yeah, um, sure. So, you know, during my time in college, uh, I've always had a very strong mathematical background. I've loved analytical, you know, analytical sense of numbers and really being able to take raw data and create uh, a picture and illustrate uh, a scenario that the common person who may not you know, enjoy math is able to understand. So I went into uh, originally physics uh, when I went to San Diego State, and it just wasn't my crap. You know, I really wanted to get uh, you know, the, the college experience. 
And uh, <laughs> the majority of, of physics, my classmates were, were not a part of that. And I didn't really feel at home. Uh, and I transferred over to finance not long thereafter. And when I joined, when I got into finance and I started really digging into it, I fell in love. It's really highly focused on uh, you know balance sheets and income statements and you know stock investing to begin with, and it just fascinated me using uh, you know fundamentals of a company and being able to work backwards and project out what the company is worth today. And when you look at multifamily, it is you know the nuts and bolts is is the exactly the same thing. When you're looking at multifamily buildings, you're looking at a business. And with that business, you're looking at, okay, what streams of income are they bringing in? Is their income in line with what they can do potentially and in the future? And then where are their expenses? And are there ways where you could you know, pull one lever or pull another level, lever in order to make that company uh, business, multifamily building more profitable? And in turn, uh, you know, be able to satisfy your investors, but not only your investors, but also provide a safer, uh, better living situation for the tenants. And when that all came together about my junior year, I dove head first. Uh, there was no looking back. I fell in love with the fact of you know tangible assets. And I was very fortunate to where my family, we've gathered over the last 20 years, uh, six single family residences. And single family homes are fantastic. There's, there's no uh, you know, negative thing about them. They're a great way to begin the investment journey and grow your balance sheet. But at the same time, you know, that six single family homes, they're going to bring in, you know, six to $800 in profit, right? About $100 a door. And that $600 a month is not going to change, you know, really your lifestyle. There's a big saying out there, right? With, with all these gurus, you know, uh, preaching that, you know, you can have financial freedom through real estate investing. And six single family homes isn't going to get you there. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be able to give you those great vacations to make you even go to the grocery store and, and quit your daytime job. And that's where my mom really uh, you know, illustrated to me to think bigger. And I, I really encourage you to think bigger. And when I made that connection between multifamily, commercial real estate and finance, there was no turning back. And that's kind of how I personally got introduced into multifamily. So it was your mom that introduced you to multifamily in, in general and to think bigger. Wow. No, that's super interesting. Cause usually you hear like the complete opposite where it's like, you know, go to college, get a job, and then that should be a career and then buy a house then buy another house, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's crazy the amount of exposure that you had, even at a, at a young age, that that's what propelled you to go into what you're doing now. And so, you know, you're a junior in college, then you're interested in multifamily. I'm curious then as to like, how did, how did you meet Urban Renewal Partners? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, yeah. Uh, in your yeah, first so, deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it was a wild ride. So when I, after that moment, when I had that aha moment of this is what I wanted to do, you know, I sat down and I said, okay, what's the best way that, you know, I could provide my value of, of mathematics and analytical background and to uh, be a value to a team, right? Like our renewal partners or any, you know, investment real estate group out there. And I went on LinkedIn and I basically sifted through the search engine of real estate professionals, whether they were brokers, owners, managers alike. And 
have a, a preset template that I would DM them on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is a fantastic social media. It's one of those social media platforms where you instantly get a sense of credibility with your surrounding connections just because of that business presence. It's unlike any other social media out there. And when you're utilizing uh, something like LinkedIn and DMing you know, professionals that are in your industry, I said, basically, my name is Dylan Palmer. I'm a student at San Diego State looking to graduate next year. Uh, I have skills in XYZ, and I'm, I really am interested in, in one, two, three. Is there any way that I could take uh, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of your time and ask you a few questions about uh, your, your job in your industry? Because I'm very fascinated. And believe it or not, you know, after about 50 to 100 connections and exchanged messages on LinkedIn, I was able to meet a gentleman uh, named Gary Martinez. And Gary Martinez is an industrial broker uh, based out of Southern California. And he had, during our conversations, we would have a, I would have a preset of five to 10 questions that I would ask each professional. And on those five questions, it would ask about, you know, their experience, you know, their challenges. And, you know, both of these templates that I used to reach out to professionals, uh, I'm more than happy to share. Uh, it really helped me and, and able to, you know, hone in and focus where I wanted to go. And I'm more than happy to share that with your audience today. Um, just have them, you know, give me an email uh, or a phone number. And my number is 714 nine, four, six, five, shoot me a text and I will, I'll, I'll send you all that information. So you have it. And after meeting Gary Martinez, uh, the last question I would ask is, you know, what's your biggest, you know, what's holding you back right now? What's your biggest kind of like uh, challenge that you're facing? And for right for that moment, he was having trouble with finding leads and finding tenants. And I'm like, Hey, I can, I can talk on the phone. Like I, I can speak English, you know, I, I have a cell phone. Uh, you know, I, uh, so he, he brought me on and, and he, you know, we went through together and we created a, a, a script to reach out to owners in Southern California. And I, basically I made a hundred phone calls for about four weeks. And during that time we were able, I was able to get him two leases. Uh, lease agreements for him. And it was, uh, it was a great experience to be able to, you know, really get into the front lines of the industry and just understand uh, from the basic sense of industrial brokerage, that's how, you know, you get uh, a lot of your clients is, is through kind of cold calling. And I was very, uh, you know, blessed to be able to get in those two leases and he started investing into me. And by him investing into me, he uh, asked me, you know, what, what do I want to do? And I told him that I was fascinated by, uh, you know, commercial real estate and specifically multifamily. And he's like, well, you know what, Dylan, here, let me invite you over to the CCIM past and present president's roll call. And CCIM oh. is, a, yeah, is a national brokerage fraternity. Brokerage, you know, house <laughs> fraternity. <laughs> fraternity, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's very highly uh, sought after, and there's it's definitely there's a lot of value to the CCIM designation. Designation, yeah. And I joined that uh, Zoom call. It was it was with you know ten to fifteen professionals in in the industry, and I did the exact same thing as I did on LinkedIn. Each person, I wrote down their contact information. I re I reached out to them. I had my preset template. I asked for ten to fifteen minutes of their time time and ask them the exact same questions. And one conversation led to another. And I eventually made a connection and, and spoke with a gentleman named Robert Lee. And, and Robert Lee is big on the medical side. You know, his medical team has done over 300 million in, in medical acquisitions and dispositions uh, over the last five years. And the timing was perfect where he was just starting, uh, you know, a multifamily investing arm. 
And he brought me on and I told him, you know, my goal is just to get into deals and, and learn about multifamily and, and be a part of a, you know, an investment group. And he's like, well, uh, a person in your position, you know, I don't have the capital to be able to put into deals yet. I'm, I'm an accredited investor. What's you know, the best way that I can get into deals? And he said, through finding a deal. And uh, basically, at the basic sense, right now, uh, there's a lot of uh, money that's attracted uh, to multifamily investments and commercial real estate in general. But the hardest part is finding the deal. And by me being able to find a deal, that's where I can earn my sweat equity and a position to where I can uh, not only learn, uh, but earn and then also you know, just gain experience in this world. And that's kind of that is Urban Renewal Partners is, you know, Robert Lee and then two other partners that we have uh, here in town. And that's where I started uh, my acquisitions experience. And I could uh, I could dive into that right now. Or if you want to. Yeah. Give me, well, yeah, no, let's 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 backtrack just because like, well, <laughs> yeah, I, do, I, I do want to go into the acquisition side, too. But I, I mean, just to highlight the the transparency, vulnerability, and then also you just being genuinely interested and reaching out and connecting with these individuals and like not coming at them like super strong, but like investing in them and learning about them, I think it's just extremely impressive and inspiring. Uh, I guess like also shout out to Gary Martinez too for yeah. uh, <laughs> shout out to Gary Martinez for taking the chance um, on you. And but I, I'm curious, like the in terms of like time frame, like how many people did you talk to before you actually like talked to Gary? Was this like the first what you said? Yeah, first. How many? Uh, yeah, initial connections of, he was of how the first many? one. Yeah, he was the first one. Yeah, one for one. One for one. Easy. Uh, um, so the timeline. I mean, so this was like I was in Barcelona uh, studying abroad, uh, my spring semester of junior year, and I told myself that this is going to be you know the last time you know my senior year of college. I'm going to you know hunker down and focus. But what was I you know going to focus on, and how was I going to be proactive? Uh, and right when you know COVID hit, we were sent back. And I had a time where I had to make a decision it was like, whether am I going to, you know, sit in my room? I had to be quarantined for, for 14 days by myself, you know, because no one, <laughs> no one knew what it was. And I had to, you know, I was either I could, I could play video games, right. And, and hang out and talk about and, just, you know, scroll on around on my phone, or I could be proactive about it. And that's when I kind of started dabbling into LinkedIn at the moment. I think I had like, you know, like six connections and, Basically, I told myself, "Hey, like, let's just see what you know what happens." It goes. And uh, I mean, I think over the span of you know three months, I I had I went from six to like three hundred connections, right? So, and then of to those connections that were in the real estate industry, um, I there had to be between you know fifty and a hundred you know exchange messages and phone calls uh, between that time. And I was very fortunate to where because it was you know right when COVID hit, a lot everything slowed down. A lot of professionals had free time. Uh, and, and in this industry, many people are, you know, very go, 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 very busy. It's hard to you know, give time to everyone that reaches out. So I was very fortunate in that regard. And what's fantastic. And I really took away from, you know, that experience in the beginning is, you know, asking for 10 to 15 minutes of their time when you're able to get, uh, you know, specifically a real estate professional on the phone, they are more than happy to give you as much time as you need. So, you know, some conversations went up to 30 to 45 minutes, but giving that kind of shorter time frame up front gets them on the phone and then you're able to kind of, you know, ask the questions. And if you ask the right questions, like the ones I'm happy to happy to give you, I'm uh, you know, it'll it'll entice, you know, deeper thought and deeper conversation, which they don't get on a daily basis. Wow. Yeah, what, what was one of your favorite questions that you that you would ask? 
Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. So I think my my favorite question I would ask was, you know, what was one barrier that once you were over once you were able to overcome it, got you to that next level? Hmm. Uh, that was, you know, that was one of the questions that really kind of gave gave had them step back a second and you know, kind of you know, look back at their career and yeah, and that kind of brought you both. It kind of brought us both on the same uh, level because now I know. You know, maybe you know, maybe that barrier comes in my life too, and I can reach out to that same person and look look for guidance. Wow, yeah, and so you were really just trying to like find different ways of adding value. And I mean, in this industry, especially starting out, you know, you're, everyone's always talking about add value, add value, add value. Like you took it and then you ran with it, and then I mean, and now you're partners with Robert Lee and two other partners over at Urban Renewal. So. I mean, now, now I guess like getting into the acquisition side, what were some of the challenges that you found in trying to find uh, these deals and finding these? Because I feel like it's kind of common too. like everyone saying like, oh, if you find me a deal, like you can totally be part of it. Like, how did you hedge against that? And, and how did you take that information and, and push it forward? Yeah. So I, I was, uh, I was really oblivious. To it. I know I, I really, I just loved it and I really wanted to learn. And it was somebody who was willing to, to teach me. And, you know, when, when diving into to acquisitions and specifically finding a deal, there are, there were, you know, a multitude uh, of challenges that, that I faced in the beginning. And, and one of those being, you know, first is, you know, how, how to underwrite, right? What is underwriting? There's a lot of terminology in, in every industry that you go into because they want to seem like, you know, it's, it's exclusive, right? So like underwriting was a huge, you know, step in the right direction of, you know, how to basically take the income of a building, right? Whether it's rents, laundry, fees, pet fees, uh, et cetera, and saying, okay, here's your gross revenue. And then, you know, what kind of uh, taxes are you going to have? What's your insurance going to be? What's your utilities going to be on average? And then what's your you know repairs and maintenance that you're going to have? And that's going to bring you you know your overall uh, net operating income uh, or your NOI. And that NOI, based off of the market that you're in, is going to be divided by a percentage called the cap rate. And for those of you out there who understand the cap rate. Uh, stands for capitalization rate. And it says, if you were to buy a building for cash, this is how much you know year one, you're going to be able to receive in your pocket, right? So if you buy a building for $100, and it is called a five cap, uh, a 5% cap, you're going to be basically getting $5 in your pocket at the end of the day. And a better way that I like to look at it that really helped me understand it is by using a multiple. So you can either divide by the cap or you can multiply by the multiple, right? So let's say you take the same situation where you have $5 in income. You multiply that $5 by, let's say, 20, right? A 20 multiple is going to get you that $100 value. And just by using that, I was really able to understand, okay, it's going to take me 20 years, right? To make my money back, right? If I bought this building cash. And that just understanding that really helped me, you know, kind of see where, you know, value in the market can be, can be had, right? Cause you can use a year basis is a lot easier. I think in, in my brain than using dividing by percentage, it gets, it gets, yeah. very, it gets very confusing very fast. And uh, once I was able to learn how to underwrite, so first I would recommend learning how to underwrite, uh, you know, and by do how you do that. I remember my, my <laughs> it was like my, it was like my first week, but Rob told me, Hey, Hey, go sign this CA for the, for this, you know, for this building. Right. Uh, and he sent me a listing that was with uh, 
with, you know, one of the brokerage houses. And I had to be, I had no idea what a CA was. <laughs> and, and I, was like, I didn't want to ask him, right. To be, you know, to seem like somebody who didn't uh, know what know. he was talking about. Yeah. So I had, you know, I had to go on there and kind of learn from my side. I look up, you know, what's a CA in real estate and, and basically California. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's and it was just uh, it was just a trip. There's there's so many things to learn, and you know if if you do reach out to me, I'm more than happy to to help you in the right directions. I personally learned how to underwrite on an application called uh, ACRE. Uh, it's their course uh, of modeling. Uh, it's quite expensive, but it brings you, you know throughout the all asset classes. And I have, you know, a lot of the information there. So I'm more than happy to share with you, you know, how I underwrite and what I look for and the templates that I use in order to do that. And I, I forgot where I was going with that. The, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. So, I mean, I mean, first you're, you're, you figured out how to analyze the deal and, mm -hmm. you know, that was able to uh, empower you to have the terminology to be able to speak with brokers and other real estate professionals. Because if you can't analyze a deal and you don't understand how to underwrite a deal, you're not going to be able to, to to know what you're even looking for, especially when trying to find a deal. So I feel that is that is step one. And then now I guess moving forward into building those relationships with the was it did you go through brokers or did you go off market and cold called through a direct to seller? So when I first when I first began, uh, you know, one of the mistakes that I that we originally made was was we had a very broad net. So like when we first, you know, made, made our investment criteria, we were looking in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. And I mean, such a wide net and, and, and talking with brokers, you know, you know, brokers, they really do have the key, you know, the keys to the good deals. And it was all through broker relationships from the beginning. And mm -hmm. It's extremely difficult to have connections with three or four brokers in five or six markets and be able to actually make connections and be able to sustain relationships in order to actually look at you know good deals. Because when when you first originally call a broker on a listing that they have, they assume you're just a tire kicker. They assume you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know who is this random guy calling me? So you really do have to set that predecessor of, hey, I understand you know, what multifamily is, how to underwrite, how to analyze deal, what deals with the value of this property is. I understand the market. It gives them a sense of you know, comfortability and trust between you. And that was the biggest you know, challenge that I had. You know, one of the first challenges I had was we had such a broad net. Uh, and it was very difficult, especially from 3,000 miles away, you know, in California to be able to, you know, be taken seriously by this broker, by these brokers, you know, especially in, in being a young dude, right? Doesn't, doesn't help very much. So really kind of narrowing that focus and taking your underwriting, right? Taking what you've learned, what you've, um, what you've already grown into understanding how to evaluate buildings and being able to, I would be on the phone with brokers and I would, I would sit in front of my spreadsheet and I would go back and forth with what you know, his team's underwriting was and what my underwriting was and see where the nuances and differences was were. And just by taking that extra step, you know, 95% of uh, buyers and owners don't do that. And that will set you apart just in, you know, creating that conversation and just time, one-on-one -on -one time with the broker will establish credibility over time. And, you know, you really have to trust it to where it, it's not going to be one phone call. Uh, and you're going to be able to get the, you know, the great deals, the home run deals. It's going to be- Imagine if it was. <laughs> right? It'd be fantastic. Everyone would be amazing. Right? <laughs> you know, it'd be easy, right? Yeah. And that's where, uh, you know, and that's, that's um, and, you know, it took, it took 
you know, nine months uh, of constant conversations with multiple brokers to be able to finally get a decent deal that was off market. You know, and, and during that time frame, there was a lot of ups and downs of, you know, it's very it's very difficult uh, when you're making offers, right? And you're underwriting deals. You know, my first year, uh, I underwrote over 140 million dollars worth of deals with nothing to show for it. You know, and it's when in this business is you know you eat what you kill. And uh, there was a lot of times where I was like, okay, like you know, what am I doing wrong here, right? You don't really know if you're doing it right or wrong uh, because you know, let's say the feedback is where, let's say you you know you you are awarded an, an on market deal. You know, it could be a fact of like, oh, wow, did I like, what are my assumptions off? Like, why was my price so much higher? And it could be on the flip side too, where it's like, you're coming in, you know, 10, 10K less a door and, you know, you're like, okay, well, where, where are these people seeing the value? Like, where, what, what, am I missing? what am I missing? And it's only trial and error that, that you're able to build up that confidence and, and trust in yourself to be able to value buildings correctly. And just, you know, taking that time and not rushing it the, the first nine months you know, I think really set me up and set us up uh, for success. And, you know, I will, I will never forget, you know, nine months into it, it's April, you know, 2021. And it's Friday afternoon, you know, we're, we're, we, uh, we have an investor who has, you know, a, one of our investors was selling a building and he's going to have a 1031 exchange. And we had to get, you know, offers out. We had, we had three offers we had to get out on this Friday. Right. So we were, you know, going back and forth with brokers, and we had two offers out by 11 a.m. And once noon hit, you know, my two roommates, it's, I, I was very fortunate. I lived, I, lived on, I lived a step away from the sand. And, you know, friends were starting to come over for the weekend, you know, get ready. Uh. To, you know, <laughs> the bottles are coming out, you know, they're just starting to drink out on the, uh, out on the beach. And, uh, you know, I, I, but I had to get this done. You know, there, there was, um, you know, we had to get this one last deal out this offer now. And uh, I'll never forget that I, I, I got up, I went, I had to go next door <laughs> and, and I sat on their, you know, patio table to get this last offer out right up the LOI. And, uh, and it's sure enough that that last deal where it was very easy to, you know, very easy to just say, Oh, I can do this later. Right. It's, this is not as important, but I, uh, yeah, I, I went next door and we got the offer out and that building, you know, the, the offer got accepted that same day. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, that's just, it totally changed my life. You know, and that was in Lexington, Kentucky. Wow. And dude, you're a beast. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. No, that's awesome. One thing I wanted to, to touch on and dive into a little bit more is uh, when you were having these conversations with the brokers, I feel like it's, uh, sometimes people think it's against that they're your enemies and they they sort of underestimate the value and power of a broker and the knowledge that they have. Uh, when you were talking with these brokers, was did you come into it pretty strong? As I can't imagine actually coming into it pretty strong saying like, hey, I know these are the numbers. What do you have? They, what was that initial conversation like? Did you ask them just a lot of questions and just got feedback on your underwriting from like a, a current listing that they had and told them why it didn't work? Or what did that first initial conversation look like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, and to your point, you know, brokers they're they're a plethora of information. They have been living in the market that you're looking at. Great word. <laughs> <laughs> they have been living in, in your market that you're looking at. You know, for you know more than you know, usually forty years. Usually, they're born and raised. You know, in that same market, and they've seen it. You know, progress over time, and they know exactly which areas to look in, which areas to kind of stay away, and. 
you know, it's, it's very important to leverage them, you know, it's, and ask questions, you know, to your point, you know, not to go in and say, Hey, I know this, I know that this is how I looked at it. This is why it's not worth what you think. I'm only going to buy it in eight cap. <laughs> right. Exactly. You, know, you, you let them have, you know, the, the, the control of the conversation. And, you know, you ask questions where like, you know, where are you seeing, you know, the path of progress? Where, where do you see the value in this? You know, why, why do you see, you know, this expense here? Or why do you, you know, what makes you think that, you know, that you're able to achieve these rents? And, and if they're confident in it, you know, what are three references to, you know, property managers in the area um, that I can call to kind of back end that information, double check them. And they have, you know, fantastic contacts that they've been working with. You know, a lot of these guys are very experienced and, you know, they're very happy to share this information with you, you know, when you make it offers on deals and if you can be educated and make, you know, a fair offer, you know, they get paid. So, you know, everyone is on the same team here, which is really is great. And that's something that I definitely, you know, took hold when I first started is to you know find one to three brokers right in your market and just stick with those three market mark the three those three brokers and they'll really respect that and and, and they'll you know if you have uh, really solid relationships the one to three brokers is is, is so much uh, will help you so much more in the long run than having you know uh, half relationships with you know, 10 or 15 that are all in the market. And I really, you know, atone to that. And also meeting them in person. Uh, you know, if you have the means to be ask, able yeah. to, yeah, if you have the means to be able to either, you know, drive to them or fly to them and, and meet them and walk some buildings that you're interested in, being able to put a, a name to the face uh, really shows you're serious. Uh, especially, you know, being far away, being able to get on the radar is, is very important because they get phone calls. Like I was looking at a, a, a Craxi listing, you know, I think it was two days ago in, in North Carolina, you know, just looking and, and I, and I made a call to the broker and I left him a message and we get, you know, he called me back yesterday and we were talking for a little bit and I asked him like, you know, how, how many more calls do you have today? And he's like, I got to make 12 more after this, you know? So these guys, these guys get bombarded, you know, and you could see a 30 minute conversation, right? That's six hours, right? Of, of the exact same questions um, to every single owner, because everyone has, you know, they're set, questions that they ask. And uh, I do have, I do have broker questions, but when I started, I had, you know, the right questions to ask. And I'm, I'm more than happy to share it with you. You know, I, I'm more than happy to, to give you that just to kind of point you in the right direction of what questions to ask a broker, but, you know, kind of, you know, being yourself and, and being unique really will, will help you in the long run. I think that's really helps, you know, me. And if I were to you know, share that, I think that would be important for, for someone in the starting. Yeah. Well, in, in the power of really just meeting them in person, I feel like they, now it's tangible. They know that they're meeting with, that you're invested in building a relationship and, and really making this relationship, I guess, like even more fruitful for, mm -hmm. for the long run versus just like calling them. And, and so, yeah, no, I've heard that going to property tours definitely is sort of the go-to, even if you're not even going to offer it and you're just building that relationship from there. Uh, so now, I mean, after those nine months of just going for that first deal, you locked it in. Let's talk about that first deal. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was something where we were originally looking for for multifamily, mm -hmm. uh, and this building is actually a mixed use asset. So if you're watching it uh, on YouTube, it is right behind me. This is the retail portion. There is five retail tenants, and they're all you know health, fitness, lifestyle type brands. Uh, we have like a pure bar. We have a hot house, which is like a cycling uh, yoga studio. 
Next door, we have like a boutique kind of urban outfitters type uh, store. Uh, we have a seafood distributor. And then above them, we have a med spa. Uh, so it's very, you know, higher end class wives a lot come down here. Moms come down here. Uh, it's kind of like their, their little uh, hot spot here. <laughs> and behind it is 32 uh, apartment units. You know, one, it's a laundry room. So 31 apartment units. And they're all studios uh, here in downtown Chevy Chase in Lexington, Kentucky. So, <laughs> Chevy Chase like the actor? <laughs> yes. Yes. Right? Oh, so, okay. So this actual immediate neighborhood is the highest in- income earning neighborhood in Lexington. So it's a very, uh-huh. very affluent, uh, high class area. You know, you'll see it's very walkable to a lot of, you know, different stores and shops. You know, there's a Kroger less than a quarter mile away. There's a Starbucks in the corner right here. So it's a very nice area. It's definitely a, a an A neighborhood. And the owner at the time bought it 12 years ago. And he bought it because his wife uh, wanted to open up a workout studio. And he's like, okay, why would I pay rent to someone else when, you know, I can, you know, basically have, have can be able to control her fate in a sense and be able to help her out if she's not doing so well and get her up and running. So he bought the building, you know, 12 years ago and she ran a successful uh, business for about six years. And at the end of that six year period, she had a falling out with her partner. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I want to do. And he's like, okay, well now he's stuck with this building. Right. Uh, And, you know, fast forward six years later, these last six years, there was a lot of deferred maintenance. He didn't really pay attention to it. He had a lot of bigger fish to fry uh, over focusing on his his main business that this kind of got left in the dust. And one thing that a lot of our investors look for is the story. Right. Does the story make sense? And in this case, you know, it's a mom and pop owner who, you know, neglected it six years ago and hasn't really been paying attention to it. The average rents. Uh, when we took this over, we're five, $512. We're now able to get, after renovations, $699. Oof. Yeah, the first conversation that we had. <laughs> nice. After, under, yeah, after we were under contract, the first conversation we had with the, with the owner, you know, when we were on the phone, it's like, hey, one of our biggest concerns is that there's 11 vacancies. You know, and, and being 31 units, you know, that's, that's, you know, 40%. And, you know, he got, he, he was, he's like, 11 vacancies? Really? Like, is that he asked his property manager, uh, you know, who was his office manager at the time? You know, is this really true? And she's like, she looks over the rent. Oh, yeah, it looks like we have eleven vacancies. <laughs> oh, idea. And this is going to be. I guess he first trip that we had out here um, when we were walking units and doing our due diligence. You know, there's no marketing online of this building, and you know, I'm like, okay, how do they? How are they finding tenants? So when we get here, there's a little, there's, you know, there's a sign on the, uh, on the front of the building and I call the number on the sign deadline. So there was literally no way that any, any potential prospective tenant could find out unless someone like who was living there told them about it. And that's just so happened after the last two, you know, people were out, were through, you know, referrals. So it was a lot of things that just lined up perfectly, right? The story really made sense of an owner that was neglectful, not really paying attention to it, had it yeah. for you know, 12 years, 11 vacancies. So a lot of the value add came from you know, immediate renovations of those 11 units and then increasing the occupancy. And that, you know, just that you know, 40% increase in occupancy drastically changes the numbers, right? So that's where, you know, our business plan originally was to come in here, uh, you know, really add institutional quality management, but at a mom and pop level uh, and be able to, you know, do agreeable gray, new paint, right? New flooring, new cabinetry, new appliances, new lighting, and, uh, and fill these units up. And 
last week I had a gentleman who's one of our tenants here come up to me as I was walking back. Uh, and he's like, you know, you guys are, you guys are a godsend, you know, thank you so much for, for doing this for us. Wow. Um, it was just, it was, it, it really, you know, it really touched me. It was just so great to hear that, you know, we're really making a positive impact, not only for, you know, as an investment, right, to investors, but also, you know, at the tenant level, right, and being able to provide, you know, safe homes for people, and and they they love what we're doing here. You know, we had all new, the parking lots are all uh, newly striped. We got a brand new roof on it. Uh, we took care of, you know, all of the landscaping that was that was uh, neglected. So it's it's been a it's been a wild ride, and I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Well, is that where he has offices too, or is yeah, so. Yeah, so this is so this is the uh, the retails right here, and then when we first came touched down for due diligence, there was a for sale by owner sign on the building that I'm in right now, and it's it's this is like this is on a a square right, so it's called Chevy Chase Square is how we branded it, and this building right here is kind of like the last final puzzle piece to the the entire square, so we ended up purchasing it. Uh, you know, negotiating, purchasing it to be along with to be along with this package here, and this is a ground floor office retail space, uh, and then upstairs is an Airbnb. Uh, wow. So if you're ever visiting Lexington, we got a four bed Airbnb right in uh, right in Chevy Chase Square, and you can check out this uh, this property. <laughs> uh, nice. I might have to be out there then. That's um, right. Yeah. Oh dang. Humans, horse <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely have to make it out there with the, the whole KM group too at some point. That's right. Uh, yeah, we got a place for you to stay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, something I also wanted to touch on too uh, real quick is the financing for that first property. Just because, I mean, typically for, I mean, if you're trying to get stabilized financing, stable debt for Fannie and Freddie, you're looking at what? It has to be a, what, 80% occupied, 90% occupied. Right. Um, so, so that is, that is a very good point. So when you're looking at, you know, the, these smaller deals, right? So 30, 37 units total, the Fannie and Freddie, you know, more conventional loans out there, they usually don't really look at this kind of small, small balance, right? You know, sub $5 million range, right? Uh, so we actually used a, a regional bank, a local bank here, shout out Bank of the Bluegrass uh, here, here. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Here in Lexington, Kentucky, and you know they were they were really uh, you know malleable and, and worked really well with us. They knew the area. You know, regional banks are great because uh, you know Fannie and Freddie they don't they don't have like an office here in town, right? So you know having that re- that that local presence, right, and just being able to call up you know you know one of the person that we work with and you know, have them come check out the building. They know exactly where it is, and having the mixed use as- mixed use part of the asset is huge. Uh, because with mixed use, it's uh, it's a triple net lease structure, which basically what that means is uh, the tenants are responsible for all of the expenses, uh, you know, taxes, insurance, repairs, and maintenance. Uh, they call them the CAMs, common area maintenance, for their portion of the building. And because they're all triple net based, it it really provides us a good, stable, predictable, consistent cash flow over the next you know two, three, four, five years, and that provides a really strong base for, to to serve our debt service. And, and with that, the apartments is really up, applies the, the, the greater upside, right? And the value add portion of the business where, where you're able to have that mixed use, which is a good, solid, stable cushion. And then you have the value add portion, which is the apartment side, which you're able to really increase the value exponentially through renovations and management, right? Hmm. And having those two parts really kind of separates the mixed use asset class from every single other asset class out there, because it's a very good, uh, you know, 
risk versus return metric, right? Because you have the the both safe and secure, but you also have the upside in the multifamily part. So it really, you know, was a perfect asset to work with, you know, a regional small local bank here in town. And we'll work with them. And our our uh, our current business plan is to refi either three or five years down the road um, with either whether it's, you know, still the, the regional bank here, or we can get better terms with, you know, a Fannie or Freddie, depending on how it, you know, turns out. So you plan on refining and then holding it on for forever, for for a <laughs> lifetime, or are you guys going to sell it in a, in a couple of years? What does that exit look like? Yeah, so there. Uh, that's what's great about this asset is that there's multiple exits. Uh, you know, something to look at. You know, as you get deeper into the business, is how many exit strategies do you have? So we can either sell off the retail, sell off the apartments, or we can refinance, hold it, sell it together, or. What our plan is right now is because we have this building here, what I'm what I'm staying in, and we have the entire square. This is already yeah, this is already shown for 81 senior housing units. Wow. Yeah. So what we are planning to do is you know refi hold and maybe 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we could make a big development here, right? Because we have a, a, a good you know a one and a half acre spot in a, in a prime uh, downtown location. There's a building right across the street that was developed you know, not too long ago that had kind of the similar aspect. So there's a lot of exit strategies and the redevelopment opportunity is something that would be that we're looking for, you know, down the road. Mm, nice. And so now what now personally and professionally, uh, what are you focusing on for the future for 2022? Yeah, for 2022, we uh, it's it's kind of the the same <laughs> uh, I'm looking <laughs> now that we're now get to uh, now that we're getting to stabilization here uh, over at Chevy Chase Square. We're going to be able to, you know, really look at more acquisitions here in town. So unfortunately, we lost that on the deal last week, um, but we're still looking for for you know deals in the area here locally in Lexington. Um, what's been great that like, if you you know if you're looking to you know invest in multifamily and you happen to be in a really good market, you know such as you know with your group at being in Austin, when you get a phone call from a broker saying, "Hey, I have this deal and and you know it may be a good fit for you," you can get I can get in my car and I can be there in ten minutes. Right, and I could be able to have you know instant feedback right away of what I think, uh, and and having that you know again that builds a relationship with the broker. So we're really looking for more acquisitions here in town, uh, and then really starting to spoke out to you know similar size and cities. So down in Nashville, um, over down into North Carolina, but not jumping just yet down to uh, down to Florida. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Now, uh, if people can get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so the best way is going to be either by uh, by phone, which my phone number is 714-403-9465. Or you can shoot me an email over at D as in Dylan Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R at urbanrenewalpartners.com. Uh, that's my direct email and I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be there to help you and, out. And those will also be in the show notes too. Awesome. Dylan, it was great having you on the show. I can't wait to bring you back this Friday. Uh, for the action items episode where we can actually get a little bit more granular with the conversation that you're having and even uh, talking about, you know, some of the metrics that you're looking at in order to now progress someone that is just starting to getting to where they want to be. So awesome. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate your time and everyone. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you got any value out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to help others receive that same value. If you're looking to learn more on how to passively invest in apartment buildings or self-storage assets, click on my link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks and I'll see you next time.